Good evening, and welcome once again to Your Legal Rights on KALW 91.7 FM, San Francisco Bay Area. I'm your host, Jeff Hayden. You've lived in your house a while when a problem develops with a neighbor. What do you do when your neighbor is loud? Perhaps disruptive. Or this neighbor harasses you. Perhaps he or she is dangerous or threatening. When should you call the police? And what can the city do for you? Or should you put cameras around to perhaps seek a restraining order? As with most nuisance issues, there may be multiple sides. Perhaps you've been living in your neighborhood a while and one of your neighbors calls the police because your kids did nothing more than walk up the street on their way to the park. Tonight we'll discuss some of the tools to restore peace in your neighborhood. And the problem's more, far more common than you think. Whether you have a harassing neighbor or one who hides behind curtains and unnecessarily calls for help when no help is needed. Whatever it may be, give us a call. We have experts knowledgeable in the field and would like nothing more than to hear of your real-world experiences and lend some help where we can. There's much to discuss. Our phone number right here is 415-841-4134. Again, that's 415-841-4134. If you're outside of the San Francisco Bay Area, call us toll-free at 866-798-8255. That's 866 866- Seven nine eight eight two five five. But bear in mind that our attorney guests can't provide you precise legal advice. They don't have all the facts relating to your given case. But we're happy to pass along legal principles to assist you in your decision making. And the legal guidance offered tonight mightn't be the positions of their employers or their clients, but they're here to help. Returning to join us tonight, Lance Bayer is a municipal law attorney in private practice with an emphasis on code enforcement and personnel matters. Mr. Bayers provided legal services on a contract basis and as an employee of numerous city attorney's offices and public agencies throughout California. He has served as director of the Office of Citizen Complaints for the Police Commission of the City and County of San Francisco. For 15 years, he served as a deputy district attorney in Santa Clara County. Mr. Bayer has taught criminal law at San Jose State University and has taught at police academies in Santa Clara and San Mateo counties. He's the author of a monthly training publication called The Reliable Informer. Mr. Bayer received his law degree from the University of Southern California Gould School of Law, and Mr. Bayer, we will not hold that against you. And with offices in Oakland, Nabil Ahmed represents defendants accused of crimes in Alameda and Contra Costa counties both for felony and misdemeanor offenses ranging from murders to DUI defense, but as well he assists clients in obtaining and resisting restraining orders, which brings us to the topic tonight. So to Lance, Nabil, welcome to your legal rights. Thank you, Jeff. Let me start out with the big picture before we go further. What types of things are we seeing that give rise to neighborhood disputes? Well, the kinds of things that can cause neighborhood disputes, there's almost an infinite number of categories. A lot of noise complaints can come from a neighbor uh, playing 
music too loud or a barking dog. Um, sometimes someone will convert a garage into housing where um, neighbors can hear music or hear um, activity that um, that offends them. Uh, oftentimes uh, it is something that um, violates a set of rules that we have either through our municipal codes or our general sense of um, what constitutes a public nuisance. Um, but on occasion, it also involves neighbors that are just too sensitive about what it means to live together um, in a community. It, it seems to me that if the state's taken on a policy of hurriedly building more housing, and we're seeing it in some of our communities where the housing is getting much more dense than it was even five years ago. And if we're bringing more people into a smaller area, we're going to see more of our neighbors more often. Aren't things uh, such as these types of disputes only going to go up in number? It really has to um, be a concern because what we're also seeing is that people don't always want to follow the rules in their neighborhood or their community. And if they don't want to follow the rules um, and people are living in closer and closer quarters, we're going to have more disputes. And then there's also a whole layer of rules that don't exist, but everybody assumes they have the rights to. Uh, Don't I own the space in front of my house to park my car instead of anyone else? Uh, So whether there's a park across the street. Sometimes we will see, sometimes we'll see a lot of our, uh, a a lot of our neighbors uh, believe that they own, that their public property, the sidewalk is private property and they will try to enforce um, the parking in front of their homes as if it's their own private property. And that will lead to a lot of um, these neighbor disputes that we see uh, uh, that generate civil harassment restraining orders. Um, people will be fighting over parking spaces and who gets to use the most convenient parking space that is available to them. And uh, you're absolutely right. Um, with closer proximity to each other, we are going to see a little bit more problems amongst uh, amongst uh, our neighbors and, and those that we live next to. Joanne, who's at the controls, is my right hand while we're here. I mean, um, I couldn't be here without her. And she reminds me of of a complaint we had last week, and I've seen it as a similar uh, complaint that comes up when we have our landlord-tenant broadcasts where somebody doesn't like the noise from one of their neighbors. And sometimes it's because somebody's unreasonably blasting the music at in inopportune hours or perhaps the volume is unreasonable. Other times it's somebody who doesn't like that somebody walks by at a certain hour of the night, walks across their own floor, and they hear the wood, the wood squeaking, um, albeit 3 a.m. or otherwise. Um, for this type of a TRO, for this type of a nuisance, is a TRO appropriate or what other tools might they have? Excellent question. Uh, a you may have that 3 a.m. noise from a pet or a child. A, a lot of a lot of young parents live in, in in these tight quarters, and they do have young children. And a lot of times, you will hear uh, a, a baby crying in the in, in the middle of of the night. And yes, that may 
you may hear a parent uh, uh, stomping across the floor because they're hurriedly rushing to get uh, whatever the baby needs, whether it's a diaper or a warm bottle, etc., uh, or just to get to the room to, to, to quiet a, a crying baby. And, and those types of noise uh, generated at those hours will generate animosity uh, amongst those who have to uh, who are subjected to that type of noise at unusual hours. And so uh, it may be, it's a questionable call. Yes. Do you, do you seek uh, legal recourse for conduct like that? And of course, uh, one of the first steps that you would expect a reasonable person or reasonable neighbor to conduct in a situation like that is to simply have a conversation with the uh, perceived offending party. And you determine what is actually causing the complained of conduct and whether or not there's any type of reasonable solutions that can be reached short of filing a petition for a civil harassment restraining order because you will find if you did file that civil harassment restraining order on such a frivolous complaint one of the first things that a a judge or commissioner will do is they will remind you that they have uh, very effective mediators that work for the courts and that are there to help solve these minor problems that uh have been flagged by the court system as not necessarily meritorious of a 15 to 20 or 30 minute hearing or even longer when the court is filled with uh, voluminous uh, other cases, a voluminous number of other cases with a little bit more pressing issues that uh, perhaps the uh, judge or court commissioner decides they don't want to hear about uh, a crying baby disrupting your peace at 3 a.m. because uh, We've all, most of us, have had to endure that. And that is one of those types of occurrences uh, a court may find to be objectively uh, objectively reasonable, even though you may find it subjectively unreasonable. And, that- and the, the concerns that we have with our public agencies is how do you write a set of rules for uh, noise uh, abatement when a lot of it is basically subjective? And cities and counties have struggled with trying to write ordinances that protect neighbors from unreasonable noise and unreasonable um, activities, um, whether it's power tools or other types of equipment. Um, And so some cities have adopted um, decibel levels and other cities rely on general terms that have to do with um, affecting the uh, peaceful enjoyment of property. But most cities and counties have tried to do something. The other problem that we have to try to enforce these rules um, as public agencies is that when the noise that offends the most occurs, usually we don't have staff available to go out and Uh, monitor and uh, investigate uh, the complaint so that although sometimes police are tasked with doing that, um, that's uh, not the the most important part of their job. And the city code enforcement officers typically work daytime hours and they're not available to monitor the situation at night. The very first thing that you brought up, Nabil, is something yes. that's so, so, so often left out of these discussions. And that was to have a discussion, to talk to the person 
and see, are people usually reasonable enough to make some headway? Yeah. Well, that's the first step in the process. And realistically, the ultimate analysis, perhaps the legal analysis with respect to the complaint of conduct that you're describing is a time, place, and manner restriction that the court is going to be looking at. Uh, if you're talking about uh, activities such as performing construction at your home uh, or playing your music, this may be considered as protected conduct. You have the right to pursue happiness as constitutionally protected, perhaps, and, and the courts can limit constitutionally protected activity under certain circumstances. These noise complaints are viewed under time, place, and manner restrictions. So the court will look at, you know, uh, let's take the case of Shields v. Rubin, and, and let's take basketball playing in, in a backyard, one of its own backyard. You construct, you purchase a home, you build a basketball court in the backyard for your children because you've worked really hard and, and you want to reward your family and you want your children to, when they come home between 3 and 7 p.m. to play with their friends, and maybe, you know, to burn out some uh, uh, energy and play outside. Well, um, your neighbor may have a young baby. They may also, uh, they may have several young babies. And um, sometimes your teenage children who are playing basketball in the backyard may be playing some loud music as well, and they may get rambunctious. And those um, that wonderful activity that's bringing so much harmony to your family may be causing, may be causing the deterioration of the peace and enjoyment of the other neighbor who's suffering and paid, you know, who, who worked as equally as hard to, to have their home and to, to be in that position to, to enjoy it. And so the courts must look at uh, time, place, and manner of these complaint of activities. And sometimes if you look at, if all three of these um, factors uh, turn out to be objectively reasonable when you look at, at the conduct that is committed, then uh, a restraining order should not be granted. So if you are playing basketball after school, between three and five, the court shouldn't enjoin that conduct. But if, let's say, if it is past midnight, yes, then these young children should not be playing loudly um, in, the, in the basketball court in the backyard. And that's the type of restraining order that could be granted under those circumstances. And similarly, when you're talking about something like the creaking boards, uh, floorboards, that the apartment neighbor talked about, seems to me that if the two people didn't talk to each other, they wouldn't necessarily reach the conclusion that simply a throw rug in the right place might make all the noise go away. It's the difference between a $50, a $5 solution versus uh, $5,000 in litigation. Perhaps, you know, it's, it's just a, a magnitude of scale as to how do you want to approach and solve this particular problem that, that, that you're facing. Um, and objectively reasonable people would choose the simpler solution, I, I would presume, more often than not. And there's all sorts of ways to throw money at the problems that we could go through. Um, I've represented people that have cameras everywhere, long before you could have a ring camera that everybody's aware of thrown up on the door or the like. I mean, it used to be a lot harder and cameras everywhere. Um, I guess question number one is, at what point do you try to resolve it yourself? Talk to people, and at what point does it become, do you realize, no, I need to call for the police or I need to get a lawyer, whatever it is? I think one of the things that um, is really important is to size up the person on the other side. 
you have to really um, try to put yourself in their situation. And if they're being completely unreasonable, if your understanding of their personality is that it's not going to be worth the effort to have that conversation, then you don't want to get into a conversation that's going to escalate the concerns. On the other hand, there are many, many people who are reasonable. They don't understand the um, fact that their activity has um, uh, bothered a neighbor. And if they have the conversation, they will do something about it. And I think we all have had that experience of talking to a neighbor and letting them know our concerns and having a neighbor say, I didn't realize that's what happened. But even for the police to get involved, the police are really, or code enforcement, are really going to want to see what steps uh, a person took before they got to the police, before they got to, to that step of calling code enforcement. Absolutely right. And if you want to follow up, Jeff, I have one. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, you know, a lot of times what the courts will acknowledge is that in this day and age, as you said, with the ring security cam video, uh, almost everybody is going to have security cameras uh, surrounding the perimeter of their home, uh, not just the interior, the interior and exterior of their home. And then the question is, you know, these cameras are going to be pointed in all different directions. A lot of times litigants will come to the court seeking a restraining order alleging that the neighbor's security camera is causing them harm, that that camera is harassing them in some form or fashion, that the neighbor is stalking them, that they're following their movements whenever they view them on camera, going inside, outside, et cetera. And the courts will be confronted with this particular issue. And a lot of, and there are even more sinister allegations, um, such as this person has a security camera or camera pointed into my home pointed at my pool, pointed in my, my, my shower, et cetera. Uh, I have a, you know, there, there are being contacted by when you say, when do you not con, when do you contact or not contact the police regarding the security camera? Well, if you're a young lady, um, if you're a young lady and you notice that your next door neighbor has a bunch of cameras pointing, uh, at your bedroom window and he's, uh, uh, appears, uh, you know, at, at nighttime when you're changing, et cetera, you know, that that's a good indication, you you know, not only to call the police, but also to contact the, the courts to file a petition requesting a restraining order. But it may not be a good basis when you have a uh, security camera, let's say, in front of your garage pointing straight forward directly into your driveway and not uh, into your neighbor's property, then an allegation of an invasion of your privacy, which the court would consider strongly, in terms of whether or not to grant a restraining order that, you know, that's um, the invasion of privacy aspect. That's, that's where the court's uh, consideration to granting of restraining orders comes into play for those cameras. One of, one of the most common situations that we see of neighborhood uh, uh, concerns is barking dogs and the barking dog situation um, is uh, something that causes people a great deal of aggravation um, when you have continuously barking dogs 
but we know a lot about those situations and we know what can be done to get that barking under control in many situations. Having the neighbors talking to each other is really the first way to get started to try to see if the neighbors can work something out where the owner of the dog is going to be able to train that dog so that it no longer poses a nuisance. But that's an easier solution than trying to get the police involved because the police have some tools that are available, but not much more than the neighbors can resolve on their own. One of the things that we have in the community, I don't know that we've mentioned it more than just briefly, and that is we have in the community mediation services um, in um, uh, the San Francisco Peninsula. We have PCRC, which is Peninsula Conflict Resolution. There are others um, throughout the Bay Area. And having those resources when the simple conversation isn't enough may be a better solution than going to the police or going to code enforcement. You know, Nabil, you brought up the idea of the security cameras and when somebody in neighboring home or apartment felt that they were too intrusive. But that brings up the related issue. What about people that are playing with their drones and their drones are getting too close? Obviously, you have to know who's on the other end of it before you can get a restraining order. And if it's gone through a couple of backyards, you may not know who's on the other end of it. And yet, is this an area where it's safe for you to act yourself? This drone is buzzing around your yard. Are you able to do anything and just take the drone down? You, you take the drone down? I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure if you could take the drone down. I highly doubt that, to be quite honest. And forgive me, that may not be a purely legal answer there, Jeff. But, uh, and again... I'm guessing the answer is completely no. Uh, but I do see plenty of these restraining orders regarding these drones. In fact, I had an awful case um, a few years ago, and one recently. But, you know, we had it in San Francisco, you know, not saying anything. Um, San Francisco, a young man was alleged to have flown a drone uh, at the high rise of his uh, ex-girlfriend. She's no longer dating him. He's He's stalking her. With the drone, and of course, that was the basis in the restraining order. Uh, yes, these drones can serve as a basis of restraining order. How do you find? How do you track the owner of the drone? I had that recently. Um, how did my client? You know, I had a client who figured out it was his neighbor. I don't. How did he figure it out? That's a. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> We're going to say that's attorney-client privilege at the moment. So, uh, we'll keep it there. Lance, do you have any suggestions? What do you do when somebody's flying a drone through your yard? Are there limits to what you can do to eradicate the, the nuisance? I haven't researched exactly um, that situation, but I can say that um, if somebody has concern about um, a drone eavesdropping in their property, um, I would contact the local police department and let them know what's happening and um, they will uh, make their own investigation and determine whether or not any laws have been violated. And, and that's one of the themes I wanted to keep bringing up. We talked about the barking dog. We've talked about the drones. We've talked about the security cameras, the squeaking floors. And over and over, 
that begs the question, is this something I can deal with myself? Is this a question for the police? Is this a question where I should be talking to the neighbor? And clearly, if it's a drone camera, you may not be able to find out who the neighbor is. But I don't imagine it's a case where you should be taking care of it yourself. Right. Somebody- that's some. That's something where you really want to have the police involved rather than trying to resolve it on your own. And to find out what rules or laws have been violated and how you can um, have that person um, located, identified, and whatever action is appropriate to be taken. Jeff, look at it this way. Uh, when you when you want to frame, uh, how do you want to mediate with your neighbor? Uh, certainly... In, in this context, we're talking about restraining orders, uh, restraining orders granted, whether it's physical assault, threat of physical assault, or some type of harassing, stalking type of behavior, disturbing the peace, et cetera. So uh, normally the courts, rightly so, I believe, are going to say if there's any type of assault or threat of assault, you're not really, they're not looking for you to mediate with your, uh, with your abuser, your attacker. Uh, it's, it's unreasonable to request that or to suggest that, uh, uh, if you especially, you know, if you're under the threat of physical harm or you've been physically harmed, nobody's expecting you to mediate with with that individual. But if the nature of your complaint is more trivial in nature, such as disturbing the peace or along those lines, right, i.e. the noise complaints violations, then yes, perhaps, you know, it is more reasonable to expect or to assume that uh, a adults in society can mediate their disputes prior to contacting the police or petitioning the court for redress. So, um, yes, the more, the, the, the more minor of these types of disputes, yes, should be mediated. But if you're afraid, legitimately, so call the police, call, uh, call an attorney such as, uh, you know, plenty of attorneys to call for help in this situation. One one of the problems that we see um, a lot in some of the communities is the problem of loud parties. And obviously this is something where as a neighbor going to talk to another neighbor where there's alcohol involved or possibly drugs involved, it's not necessarily a good idea to be interacting with your neighbor at that time. So, when you look at what is the best approach um, with a loud party, the best approach may very well be to call the police. The other issue that's come up in some communities is loud parties with lots of teenagers and underage drinking, which makes the disturbance even more intense and raises other neighborhood concerns. Uh, the police are trained to handle those situations, and there are some laws that are enforceable or ordinances that are enforceable that allow our law enforcement agencies to deal with those households that are involved with those issues on more of a long-term basis. You're listening to Your Legal Rights on KALW. FM, San Francisco Bay Area. I'm Jeff Hayden, and tonight we're discussing what to do about that troublesome neighbor, some of the tools you can use to help restore calm in your neighborhood. If you need help or you're just interested, 
Perhaps you're looking out for someone. My guests, Nabil Ahmed and Lance Bayer, are here to help. If you have questions for my guests, our phone number is 415-841-4134. 415-841-4134. If you're outside of the San Francisco Bay Area, call us toll-free at 866 798 8255. That's 866-798-8255. As always, you can call regarding tonight's topic, anything, you, any question you have. You want to talk about restraining orders. You want to talk about the neighbors. You want to talk about mediation. You want to talk about when you can take care of things yourself. Whatever it may be, you're not limited to the exact point we may be in our conversation. You're listening to Your Legal Rights. We'll be back right after this. Support for KALW is provided by the Bar Association of San Francisco. If you live in San Francisco or Marin County, the Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service can arrange for you to meet with an attorney experienced in the area of law related to your situation. Call 415-989-1616 or visit sfbar.org for more information. So in keeping with my theme about when do I handle this, when do I throw money at the problem, when do I reach out for other, for other help? What are some of the tools that I can use for certain things, uh, whether it's a restraining order, small claims corp? When do I need a lawyer to help? Well, Jeff, um, I'll answer it this way. You know you're going to need a lawyer when you know that you have a significant legal battle ahead of you, one that you honestly and sincerely know that you cannot and should not take upon yourself. Uh, if you have a lot riding on the line, uh, if the legal case is important to you and will determine a significant aspect of your future, such as how you are going to be able to live your life and where, um, whether, you know, whether or not the court will impose orders upon you that can restrain your civil liberties or prescribe some of your constitutional rights, um, you may consider hiring an attorney to protect those rights or to petition the court to prevent someone from alienating those particular rights that, that you have. So, um, if you know that, um, you, you know it in your gut. <laughs> I think for the most part, you really know it in your gut, the type of the type of case that you have and, and whether or not you're going to need help. Um, if the case seems uh, slightly beyond your ability to competently control, you, you should certainly get counsel. And that may be an obtuse type of answer. And I I do apologize. But um, that that may be as clear <laughs> As I could be. You know, most attorneys will give you a, a very inexpensive, if not free, consultation. The lawyer referral services of the local bar associations will do similar. Better to have somebody look than to guess it, get in front of a court and find out you're wrong for the low cost. Let me turn it to John from San Francisco. John, welcome to your legal rights. Hi. Um one of the problems that I have, uh, I have uh, my airwell 
opens up not only in my bedroom, but my central room in my apartment. And I have some really awful neighbor, neighbors. Um, first, are dogs, or two dogs used to yipe and uh, bark all day long. And I contacted my landlord, and they not only bothered me on my side, but my uh, other neighbor t- adjacent to them, and even to the uh, side facing the street, which was on Tiffany Street here in San Francisco. And uh, what I got back to me originally was, well, they're comfort animals, and we can't do anything about it. And I said, well, that's not true. Um, You know, as a veteran, I go to a a VA, and comfort animals are with veterans all the time, and they're under strict rules where they can't bark. I've never heard one animal bark in a hospital. And I said, if that's the case, I'm a 100% service-connected veteran. All I have to say are two words, comfort animal. I'll have two animals in my apartment, and I'll have them bark in your well, since the landlord's son uh, sleeps beneath me in his apartment, and I'll see if you like being having your airwell being barked into. The animals stopped barking that night, but they have been barking for two months in my apartment. But the one thing I can't seem to stop is the goddamn uh, marijuana smoke coming up my apartment. Okay, I, 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 I understand your frustration, but we really have to tone the language down. Um, I call the lawyers, and I call the whatever expletive you want to use, the cops, and they have been no another expletive good. And when I make a complaint about the uh, carpenters or anything else, I get another expletive thrown back at me, or my wife has her tires with wood screws put through the sidewalls or underneath them, and we only find out when she takes them into Volvo and the guy rotating the tires tells, uh, ma'am, we can't rotate your tires because they have woods, one of the tires have woods, has wood screws, they're brand new tires, and we have to get it. Two new brand new tires put in. Well, let me let me let me interrupt you here. Let me let me stop you. I think we've gotten the flavor of some of the problems that you're having with your neighbors, and probably rather than extending the laundry list of what some of those problems are, let's see if my guests have any suggestions as to how you might proceed, what your next move might be, and where you might find some relief. Because at some yeah. point, you need to be able to find a way to live with these folks. Yeah, I'd love to help you, love to help uh, this gentleman tackle these problems here. So, uh, you know, we were discussing these barking dogs, but uh, we didn't get into this earlier, but uh, there will be a barking dog log. Uh, you will see that from the, your local police department. They will, because that's the type of uh, proof, the clear and convincing evidence that you're going to need when you go to court. Um, when you present to a judge, yeah, hey, listen, I got a neighbor. They have this types of dogs. This type of dog barks um, in a certain form or fashion, incessantly, annoyingly, et cetera, at a certain decibel level that you've measured, and you have to me- and you have to keep a log of date and time. So, and if there is a certain number 
of uh, incidences where the dog barks over a prolonged period of time, I do believe it has to be a certain number of barks over a 30-minute period, then you will qualify for relief for the barking dog. So uh, you will have to look up the nuisance um, uh, municipal code sections in, in your city, San Francisco, et cetera. You look up the barking dog, the, the, the decibel levels, et cetera. You will bring that type of complaint to, to the courts there if you don't um, receive guidance from SFPD first with respect to the, the, the barking dog log, et cetera. So if you have those police reports, you generated the incident reports documenting your complaints to, to law enforcement, law enforcement is also going to come back and see if they observe any of that dog barking. I don't know if SFPD has that kind of time. I know some other law enforcement agencies do. They have done that. They send out officers multiple times to determine whether or not this dog is barking, whether these dogs are a nuisance, whether they bark incessantly, whether they bark uh, at inappropriate hours. So there can be relief. You can seek that relief through, the, through, through law enforcement. But assuming that SFPD is too busy, then you will have to document it yourself and you will have to put that in the petition. With respect to the marijuana odor, um, that from my understanding is prohibited uh in terms of of uh smoking marijuana in certain types of units in, in certain residential units and so if that odor is obtrusive it is in, in permeating through your unit you will be able to seek relief under that basis i've seen it um there can jeff <laughs> it well, can be what one, one of the things if if i can add um, one of the things that creates a dilemma for law enforcement is that they have a limited amount of resources that they can devote to dealing with neighborhood disputes. Um, in some cities there or counties, there's, there's more resources, but in, in many, the, the amount of resources available are limited. And when you're talking about something that affects uh, one neighbor against another neighbor. Um, that's sometimes what we refer to rather than as a public nuisance as a private nuisance. This is something where, yes, it's a nuisance. Yes, it violates the law. Yes, it violates, um, uh, local city law as well as possibly state law, um, depending on what can be proven. But, the local agencies have a certain amount of discretion as to what resources they can use to deal with those kinds of disputes. On the other hand, law enforcement and our code enforcement um, function also don't like to see neighborhood uh, disputes where neighbors are agitated against one another, and they will devote resources in many cases to try to help resolve these issues. Now, I know that's not satisfactory, but unfortunately, it's a fact of life of what we live in right now, which is more and more people who are inconsiderate about the needs of their neighbors, more and more people living on top of one another in closer and closer quarters, and um, people who don't follow the rules um, where we are going to focus our attention as much as possible on life safety issues. Um, we're going to focus on public nuisance, but we do have some resources available to deal with the neighbor who has a dispute with another neighbor. And, and 
what a lot of people don't understand is anytime we use the word nuisance, in common usage, nuisance refers to something that is inherently wrong. It's a right or wrong issue. Something is a nuisance because it really shouldn't be there. But in legal terms, when we're using the word nuisance, we're talking about balance of interest between two people or two or more people. And one of them, it might be their ability to have the safety, the security of a security dog or a dog that is there to calm you or whatever it might be. And to somebody else, it's the barking. And when the government, whether it's the police or the courts or any level, treats a nuisance, looks at how to deal with that, they're balancing the interest of what is it going to do to this person to not have their security animal along? What's it going to do to this person to go without sleep or whatever because the dog's barking all the time? They're balancing the interests of those two people and trying to decide what's going on. And they cannot do a better job than could a mediation service or a counseling service locally that might be able to get the two people talking to each other. They may not even need them in the same room. They may have them in the rooms next door to each other and go back and forth until it's they're close enough to talking in the same language that they can put them in the same room as one another. But breaking down those barriers is far better and more effective, I would think, than calling the police right out of the gate. If it's a health, if it's a safety issue, different story. But if you're talking about not getting along with your neighbor because of something which perhaps is right to them and not to you, try to resolve it first and formally if you can. Let me turn it to Judy in Berkeley. Welcome to your legal rights. Okay, so the situation is I'm li- living in a HUD subsidized unit in Berkeley, and on my floor there is a mentally ill woman who takes things from us at times, sometimes messes with our plants. She has been, in the past, extremely loud, a decibel level you would not believe, but perhaps she's somewhat medicated now because she doesn't seem to be doing that as much. But I... My managers are very hard to deal with, very uncooperative, and they say that they're doing what they can with her, but, you know, what I want at this point is for them to put a camera up on my floor so they can see what goes on with her, and I don't know what to do. Well, um Here's 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 the thing. Uh, are are you taking the conduct by this neighbor as uh, harassment directly to you, or this is conduct that that you feel is just unreasonable to live with in general? Well, I've done both. I mean, I've said I've said both things. Okay, um, is, is she? Is she uh, playing loud music? Uh, is, she, is she an adjacent neighbor to you, directly next um, to you? She lives about 12 feet away from me. Okay. And well, our the- common areas, the common area on the terrace, you know, uh, runs along the whole floor. And she's taken, you know, things that I've put out there to dry because there's no other place I can put them. And she knows it's mine. I think she's throwing them out or something. I mean, she just does crazy things. Is she doing that to harass you or is she doing that because you believe that she has this mental illness? I think it's both. I mean, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. But I don't Here's know for the- sure what her motive is. 
I just well, you, want it to stop. One, one of the, if, if I can just add, when somebody breaks the law, if they're stealing from you, if they are um, committing other kinds of crimes that are um, more than just public nuisance type activity, I would recommend contacting the police if it's a crime that needs um, or you would like to have investigated. Um, but also our dilemma is that we unfortunately have had to rely on the criminal justice system um, as a way of dealing with um, people with mental health issues, partly because we don't have much in the way of an alternative mental health system to address these kinds of issues. Well, it, until I, until we get a or unless we get a camera up here, how do I prove that she's the one who's doing it? We all know she's the one who's doing it, but she does it when we're not looking. She does it at night when she's roaming the halls here. Witness like testimony. That, you know, she does a lot of stuff at night. So Witness if, if testimony has been sufficient. Proof, how do the police address that? If, well, you if said people that. see her, that's one thing. But short of that, it's hard to prove it. But the other thing is, if what she's doing is a manifestation of her mental illness, and she's now getting treatment and getting back on track it's hard to jump in now it's really hard for whether it's law enforcement or really any government official to rein in mm -hmm. behavior mm -hmm. that's a manifestation of her illness that's in the more lay use common usage word uh, nuisance behavior as opposed mm -hmm. to dangerous behavior mm -hmm. if she's threatening or harming your kids or your pets it's different, but well, if she's like, live with it, huh? well, yes, it's tough. In, 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 a, in a sense, because you have to show a likelihood of future harm, and and I hate to to step over over you there, Jeff and, and Lance. I didn't hear what you said. A likelihood of what? Future harm. Future harm. Oh, and yeah. so yeah. you're you're living you're you're living in a in a certain type of living environment where you would reasonably expect that these situations may occur and that you would have to put up with some type of um, uh, uh, unusual living uh, situations as, as part of the, the living arrangement that, that you have. Uh, if this woman is receiving treatment for whatever I, I think illness... She is. I just don't know. I just know she doesn't yell and scream the way she used to, but she's still acting crazy. Yeah. Well, when you say acting crazy, if she's not causing you harm or causing others harm, that no, wouldn't just, serve. She's just aggravating all of us because we never know when she's going to get at our plants and when she's going to, you know, take things from us. Doesn't sound like a basis for a restraining order to me, yeah, if you ask me, no. but uh, yeah. um, I don't right. want to be the one to say Here, that. Here's a suggestion. Um, individuals who have mental health issues who are in the mental health outpatient system generally have a caseworker, and um, if you're able to find out who that caseworker is and contact the caseworker, mm -hmm. the most positive way to deal with it is to suggest that you have these concerns, but you want to know what's the best way 
to help this person in their road to recovery, um, understanding that there are these activities that are harming the neighbors that you really don't want to bring up to escalate to the next level. Okay. I'll, I'll try to find I don't know how I can do that, but I'll see what I can do. I'm, I'm assuming she's on some medication. I don't even know. The, the response that I was, you know, that I've heard in, in, in the Oakland court, I had the judge tell me herself, uh, is that you get in contact, you know, she asked me to get in contact with these, uh, local agencies, you know, whether it's HUD or the property management, et cetera. So if they're, so if you have a HOA, I don't, you know, I, forgive me for not being terribly knowledgeable about HUD, but, uh, there will be, uh, there is a hierarchy, there is a structure of how to report and who to report to. You're going to need to follow the administrative procedures first before you, Presumably, escalate to the court seeking. Yeah, they won't deal with uh, it. I've tried HUD. They don't deal with it. They don't. They say it's a property management issue, and there we go. If property, property managers don't issue, uh, won't deal with it. Yeah. Then it's like it's back on me again. If the property management is not dealing with it, it sounds like it to in their eyes it doesn't rise to the level of a security concern, which may be the same conclusion a judge may reach and therefore that may be the final answer you might have to live with i hate to say that well the other thing you could try doing this is this is clearly outside my wheelhouse but one thing you could do is is when you talk to the property managers instead of asking them to solve your problem for you maybe you could ask them to facilitate a dialogue and get talking and maybe they're more willing to help if you say i'm not looking for you to jump in and solve everything but maybe you could help us talk to each other and get to the bottom of it and maybe work something out. Facilitate a dialogue between her and me. You mean the, 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 uh, the, the, my neighbor and me? Exactly. Okay, that's an idea. Actually, I could try that. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Your Legal Rights on KALW 91.7 FM, San Francisco Bay Area. We're talking about that troublesome neighbor and tools you can use to try to restore some calm in your neighborhood. And if you need help or maybe you're just interested looking out for somebody, my guests, Lance Baer, Nabil Ahmed, are both here to help. And you still have a few minutes if you want to try to call in. Our number is 415-841-4134. If you're outside of the San Francisco Bay Area, call us toll-free at 866-798-8255. You still have a few minutes before 7. You can still get a call in if you call quickly. You can call regarding anything. We're talking about your neighbor. We're talking about restraining orders. You don't have to jump into our conversation. Looks like the light, the phones are lighting up. Um, you know, I asked about before about what role the city would have in all of this. But is there a role for the city when you're dealing with with HUD properties or for something like this? Is it really outside their purview? Sometimes cities um, will get involved with uh, public housing issues um, and dealing with um, concerns about individuals who are in um, Section 8 housing, for example, um, my experience, for example, in San Mateo County is that we have on occasion worked with the um, folks who um, work with the county housing division and uh, that there has been reasonably good cooperation. The most important thing, though, is um, to have 
public agencies that work well with each other because um, we have this um, intricate um, system of local governments between HUD housing and federal programs and county um, housing authority and um, cities and counties. So we have a great deal of local um, agencies and it's important for them to be able to talk to each other. Let me turn it to Roberta from Richmond. Welcome to your legal rights. Seems we've lost Roberta. Let me turn to Jenna from San Francisco. Welcome to your legal rights. Hi, Jen- did you say Jenna? I did. Hi. Um, I recently got a job and had a period of COVID, and now my back hurt very much. And so two-part question. One question is, um, can they fire me for being hurt? and I am on probation for another bunch of months. And the other one, which may be kind of more important also, my wife is, instead of being helpful, is being very abusive, kind of. And uh, she doesn't pay rent. Can I ask her to leave? And she does have an alternative place to possibly stay, too. Not possibly, but she does. Well, unfortunately, it seems that... I said you could call about anything about tonight's topic, but it kind of seems like we're outside the realm. Um, Unfortunately, um, tonight we're limiting to neighbor disputes, various tools for dealing with it and the like, and it seems like we're outside of that. Happy to help you on the appropriate night, but I have the wrong people here. Well, the neighbor dispute about uh, my wife who does not pay rent, um, can I ask her to leave? And what does that matter that she's married or that she doesn't pay rent? Or That's a difficult situation for the folks that are here tonight to answer. You've got a strange overlap between landlord-tenant and uh, family law. So unfortunately, okay. I have the wrong guest for that. I wish I was in a better help. But given that you're calling from San Francisco, you might try the lawyer referral service of the Bar Association of San Francisco. Uh, their number, which we'll give out again in about five minutes, is 415-989-1616. They'll let you talk to a local attorney that practices in these areas for about $30, $35 for a half hour. And I wish you luck. Thank let you me, so much. Thank you. Let me turn it to Stephen from San Francisco. Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm in San Francisco, and I'm a musician, and so I have to practice my instrument sometimes during the day, and I always communicate this with my neighbors. We moved into a new apartment, and we communicated that with our neighbors, and the neighbors on one side said, sure, you can practice at these times after everyone's done with work, and then um, the neighbors on the other side just were unresponsive, and then we continued to to practice at normal times, so my understanding of the code that as long as you're not making really loud noises like practicing an instrument before 7 in the morning or after 10 p.m., then it should be fine. And this is a very reasonable time of day, in the middle of the day. And um, they complained and said that they were uh, interested in getting a mediator. And I was just wondering what uh, mediators would suggest um, if it's a professional musician who needs to practice their instrument and they're playing their instrument during normal times of day, what, what kind of 
solutions are they going to, and sort of compromises are they going to recommend? And um, I can take the answer offline. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you. I think the answer can be summed up in just a few words. Would that be time, place, or manner restrictions? Definitely. It would. It would. Uh, in terms of uh, some of the, the solutions a mediator might propose for, for a musician, uh, soundproofing the walls. Um, so uh, whether or not you want to install a, a little music uh, room in your home or if you have to uh, soundproof your, your garage, your, your, your room, whatever, uh, try that first. See if that solves the noise complaint or issue with the neighbor and move, go on from there. Victor from San Francisco, welcome to your legal rights. Oh, hi. Um, I just had uh, two comments on these last couple calls. Um, the woman in Berkeley who has, who's in a HUD property with trouble with her neighbor, um, I'm, I wonder if she has exhausted or utilized the grievance proper, pro, uh, pro, uh, protocols at her site uh, sometimes uh, when you're in a public housing facility or any public uh, agency that's not providing the services that they are supposed to provide. In this case, she said the landlord or the man property manager was not managing the situation very well. There should be a, a grievance process that she can use to... Uh, Victor, we got to tighten it up. you got about 10 more seconds. Yeah, and then the other fellow with the music... Um, there's community boards in San Francisco as a great mediation uh, nonprofit. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the input, and thank you for joining us. Let me turn it to Tim from San Francisco. you got about 50. Well, we no longer have Tim, but that's just as well because we really don't have any more time. Um, unfortunately, we have no more time for those that are waiting on the line. You've been listening to Your Legal Rights on KALW 91.7 FM and San Francisco Bay Area. Tonight we've been discussing some tools for dealing with difficult neighbors. Sounds like we have a lot more material left than we uh, than we have time, unfortunately. But our guests tonight have been municipal law attorney Lance Baer and criminal defense attorney Nabil Ahmed, who represents clients seeking to obtain or resist restraining orders. Next week on Your Legal Rights, we return to look at elder law and some of the scams and financial abuse suffered by the elderly and some of the things you can do about it. As always, we'll take your calls and answer your questions. And a big thanks to tonight's guests, Lance Baer, Nabil Ahmed, and thanks to you for joining us. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. At the controls, Joanne Marr, I'm Jeff Hayden. Thank you, be safe, and zealously guard your legal rights. Support for KALW is provided by the Bar Association of San Francisco. If you live in San Francisco or Marin County, the Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service can arrange for you to meet with an attorney experienced in the area of law related to your situation. Call 415-989-1616 or visit sfbar.org for more information.